0: What's up everybody? Thanks for pushing play. This is Chris Norris. Welcome to the Cognitive Fitness Coach Podcast. Here we're dedicated to boosting our mental and physical wellness through the power of meditation, breath work, mindfulness, exercise, nature, and other proven practices. Join us every two weeks as we explore a new technique and approach to cultivate a healthier, more energetic, and more fulfilling life. Get ready to challenge your mind, invigorate your body, and tap into your inner power with relatable insights, inspiring stories, meditation, and practical tips. Let's start your journey toward a fitter and more vibrant you. Let's find the best version of ourselves. Hey, thanks for pushing play again, everybody, on the Cognitive Fitness Coach Podcast. I am super stoked to have Rachel Sharp here today. Um, So Rachel has a background in mental health support, and she now is teaching Tai Chi, and her mission is to shine a light on calmness. And she's just out there now finding her tribe, writing, posting, and developing her own ways of helping people. And she has a really interesting story. Um, I initially connected with Rachel, I believe, on LinkedIn. I'm not even sure how we connected, but I'm stoked that we did connect. And um, I was directed towards her uh, Quietude community uh, website and her blogs. And I remember what really struck struck me reading that was how honest and vulnerable and um, aware she was so um, yeah that and this still struck me I read it again today a couple blogs on there just really amazing things and I'll have that website for y'all in the show notes and and I encourage you to check it out so without further ado Rachel how are you doing
1: I'm good thanks Chris (laughs) thanks for having me on your show
0: yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for taking time out of your your schedule—not so busy schedule, I hope—and uh, <laughs> coming Not on, as the...
1: busy as it was. No, I mean yeah. I'm still busy, but they're very carefully collected activities. That, yeah, that's you know, awesome. that are Good for me now.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk more about why that's so here, you know, shortly as as the, as the show progresses. So. As you can tell from Rachel's accent, she's from uh, the southern part of the United States. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's from England, right? You're from you were born yep, in England,
1: born and bred in the Shires of England.
0: <laughs> awesome, in the Shire, You're like Lord of the Rings or something. Now, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your your childhood. How was it uh, growing up in England?
1: I always felt cold if I'm honest. That's part of that's quite a key thing for me. I'm half Mauritian and half Irish, but I always felt like my blood had been plucked off the tropical island of Mauritius and put here by oh. at least one of my Im- immigrant parents. But um yeah, no, I've acclimatised to be honest, so don't feel sorry <laughs> for me. That's been a recent thing. Um but yeah, I used to always feel cold and uh I grew up with my mum, till I was about four, then I would stepdad. He's Sicilian. Um, and, yeah, it was a bit of a crazy household, I'm not going to lie. It was crazy. Like, I saw a lot of drinking. I saw domestic um. violence. I saw, yeah, bad arguments that just got worse and worse and worse. And I guess I quickly adopted the role of protector. I felt very protective of my younger brother. He's seven years younger than me. So okay. it became my norm to try to remove him from drama and make fun noise, maybe put loud music on or do something that would drown out what was going on downstairs. Mm. So, yeah, that was quite a key part of me growing up. But I would say I presented, or actually felt inside too, quite a calm and quiet child. Very curious. Um Always asking why, 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 why. <laughs> um, mm. And so, yeah, the kind of effects that my childhood and things that happened later on had on me didn't show till I would say my teenage years. That's when oh, wow. things manifested. Mm. Um, yeah. so, so, do you want me to just move through? Well, parts I, I think of my there's, life?
0: there's some. There's some important things though that happened in in your childhood um, that I was I think are, are worth mentioning. You know, um, at one point uh, your family split up as well, right? Due due to some situations with your mom and and your and you lost your brother at one point. Is that is that we correct?
1: We split a few times. I would say yeah. we ran off to Ireland one time. We were in a few different women's refuges, and my mom would always go back to my stepdad. And I can't say that she was a victim and he was just a violent perpetrator. That would be completely unfair. Okay. My mom mm-hmm. spun drama. She would get drunk and she would cause problems and maybe start the arguments off. Um, But as a child and him being my stepdad, not my blood dad, obviously I grew up blaming him and seeing my mom as a victim. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: how, uh, how things were real, you know what it's like. You start to see things yeah. differently when you grow up so to see it as an adult. Um, but, yeah, I'd say one of the worst things that happened to me as a child was my mum did lose custody of my brother whilst in a women's refuge in Hatfield. Um, it was just dark times. Like, it's, no one wants to see their mum go through that, especially as her kids were alive and she was such a good mum to us and she did everything she could. You know, she was very clean. She was very loving. She was always yeah. teaching us new things. I I feel good about my childhood in terms of... Feeling loved, so that's quite a key thing, I think, because I know lots, and I've supported lots of people who've who reflect on their childhood and didn't feel that sort of support and love and cherishing. And even though I saw violence, and I consider my house a war zone, I felt loved, mm-hmm. loved a lot by my mum. So, I, um, I, I've always sort of attributed that to. Some of my sanity that I managed to hold on to. Um, Yeah. So losing my brother was tough because my mum kind of did it to herself. She couldn't control Mm. her temper. Mm. She couldn't control. Yeah, that's it. In short, she had a temper. She had a wild Irish temper that got worse on alcohol. And she would go through, you know, swings and roundabouts of, crying and crying about all her misfortunes and her childhood and her own dad's death and mm. her marriage and all the you know, poor me, the world's crap. So I, I would mm. then see that victim thing I thought she had come come up. But then there was the other side of it, which was just fury, rage and anger at the world, mm. herself, her husband. Yeah. It was I saw a lot of emotion, put it that mm. way. And one thing that one important thing there is I fully believe that was okay. I believed in showing your emotion as a strength and I still do to some extent. Yeah. I think we've yeah. got to manage it, but yeah. obviously growing up in a house like that, when I'd go and stay or visit friends' houses that were very middle-class English, mm-hmm. sensible people, they seemed, I know everyone <laughs> behind closed doors is different, right? but, um, yeah, uh like I'd friends who would say they never seen their mum cry, they've never seen their parents argue, you know, yet yeah, their mum and dad might sleep in a separate bed. So,
2: mm.
1: you know, I definitely had just very strong views on passion is love and when you're really in love, you show it and there will be arguments and mm. you know, even st- really warp stuff like if a man really loves you, he is gonna be jealous of other men and you know, he is going to want to possess you in some way, mm-hmm. right? Clearly just from stuff I saw quite a lot. Yeah. So um, why I'm yeah. saying this is it, it got me in trouble. So even just if you think about the kind of relationships that I allowed into my life, like mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, it was dangerous yeah. stuff. I
2: yeah. didn't feel
1: loved if the guy wasn't possessive. I didn't right. feel in love if we weren't showing emotion. Mhm. So, did you
0: inherit did you inherit some of that rage and that passion and that and that massively out of control behaviors as well? Massively. I would never yeah. say I've felt out of control
1: but my anger got out of control. I guess yeah. because of things I saw in my house. I've always had a deep need to feel in control of myself and situations uh-huh. and my career but um ultimately now in reflection I can see that actually just made me an anxious person. If you want to control the world, you're you're you aren't you anxious of the way it is right. rather than right. just accepting everything <laughs> as it is, whether it hurts you or not. If you can't accept it, you can't change it. Right. I mean, yourself. So that's one of my. There's a lot of reasons I've become internally calm. I mean, I would <laughs> never say I wouldn't call myself an expert of calmness. Never. Uh-huh. That would be an yeah. insult to the practice that it takes as a human. Gotcha to become someone calm after being very yanged up and over emotional yeah um but that is one of one of many things that changed I, I guess a lot of it i have you have to look within at those sort of things what Mm-hmm. why do i do why am i the way i am we
0: do. yeah why do we do not what we do? why
1: is the world the way it is why does the world make me why did he she it that my past my mom like as in there's no blame anymore it's all within me i made mm-hmm. me like that
2: mm-hmm.
1: so i i've changed it ultimately i have changed <laughs> it and that's why yeah i'm here right but, now with this topic
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i and i appreciate you coming on and i think it's it's important though is to have a conversation of the context behind how you got to the point that you changed because yep. again, feeding back to your blog, I saw, you know, when you were eighteen, your mom passed away. Is that correct?
1: Yep. That, she correct?
0: yeah. And my mom took
1: the- her own life in a yeah. uh, acute ward whilst actually on suicide watch, because she'd admitted herself. And yet, again, no blame. People mm-hmm. there were just trying to do their jobs. I was put in an awful situation at that age to like to help with their investigation and maybe get the staff in trouble. I just walked out. I'm not here for that. Like I don't need the service that my mum went to for help to be punished in any way because Mm -hmm. she chose that even though she was supposed to have been watched 24 hours a day. She was going to do it. Like it wasn't the first time she threatened it or tried, you know, Come on, this is a journey, a real deep journey you go on, anyone who's experienced suicide in their family.
2: Mm -mm. You know, it's
1: not, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but from the people I've supported and from my own experience, it's not just a shock and a sudden surprise for many. You know, there's a long journey into that dark unhappiness and that, I've got to say the word, because it is a real word, hopelessness. It's yeah. one in research yeah. and in my experience, the biggest risk factor for, yeah. for that. If you have yeah. no hope for your future, if it's all just doom, gloom, dismal, I can't cope, I don't like this world, I don't trust people, I, you know, if it's all just darkness, why would you rationally want to stay here? I think that's normal and okay. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm not saying everyone, you know, it's okay <laughs> to do it. It's, yeah, it's just, it's a funny suicide prevention sport is a funny beast. If you come at yeah. it from a place where you want to fix people and you feel like you have to stop them
0: feeling that way, you're not going to be very good at the sport. It's mm. com- and, and and that's something that's really has you know has skyrocketed in the in the last years with COVID and everything. As as I as I researched it, uh, you know, I heard the term deaths of despair. And I was like, uh, that really caught me. And just looking at like suicides and overdoses and, and alcoholism and, and and all these different types of things has really is really taken off um in in all parts of the world. So but from that- it's a
1: horrible problem and that you say despair, but actually doesn't it leave so many people in despair too? I mean, and for a long time that people don't cope. I say what I say about suicide prevention now, but I didn't know that stuff as a teenager. Obviously right. I went and trained and learned and I did a psychology degree. I did so much mental health awareness training. And I right. then I t- went and experienced lots of different types of counseling and um, mm-hmm. Intro <clears throat> courses um, mm. and so much, so many ways of helping people. But I guess over the years, what I honed in on and came to love because I know not one sock or glove fits all people, it never will. Yet, yeah, there are a couple of things and ways you can treat people that do seem to fit all people. It doesn't matter mm. who, what their problem is. And two of those things that I found is listening. Listening yeah. actively, actually listening, not right. trying to solve, fix, judge, just listen to that person's mm-hmm. story. And when you truly listen, at first you ask questions, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you don't, when people don't listen properly, they've made assumptions. So then they go to the solution too quickly or they you know but when you're genuinely coming from a place of wow what was this like for you give me right. more detail then you ask like stage 1 is i'm a detective let me figure out more and more and more about this situation more details more about the people who, who told you when did you first feel this way what you... it's a it's an information gathering exercise yeah and then the second part it isn't really so solving it again you're still listening because
2: uh-huh.
1: you then home in on some of the buzzwords right and the really hard parts and you might then go to how did that part make you feel and how did that and and i guess that's what that's what's not normal for like just an everyday person who's never done any listening training to mm-hmm. say to their most loved person who's got them in a worried state because of their mental health right oh let me just As in that's not a natural place to go to for most humans. And I get that. So we can't blame people for being bad listeners. That's that's okay. Like love, it ruins support in many ways because you're attached to that person. So you have a need for them to be okay. But when... Mm. You don't know that person. You can actually just listen. But I would say, in terms of helping people, just to nail the point, listening is one half. Yeah. Signposting actively, like signposting to things in their community, that's my second half of what works. And and actually, interestingly, that's yeah. pretty much what Kauai Two Community is set up to do. Really, signpost.
0: Get the message out there. Listen. And listen to the me- or listen to the person, and then put messages. And out. then this. Have you
1: thought of this? Did you know about this? Have you ever tried this? What about this? This, 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 this? Just (laughs) signpost. Because Mm -hmm. actually, depression and sadness is very introvert and very, it's lost, isn't it? You're disconnected. I've been there. Like, you know, it's an awful, messy place to be because your frustrations, your anxieties, everything is so real to you. There's mm-hmm. so everything that you've lost connection with all the abundance and wonderful things and people and yeah. services and communities and charities. You might not have ever even heard of them in your life, but now you need them. And yet you know you don't even know about them. So actually, my best support work and the kind of people that I've worked with to do that, it's always involved signposting. I just love it. Yeah. I love making people aware of things they've never thought of. Hence yeah. A holistic shine on calmness because there's lots of reasons. One thing is meditation. That word it scares yeah. a lot of people, or it puts them I, off, and it's just yeah. one word for something yeah. very, very useful. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So from from that point of of your mom's death, I, your your first motto comes along, which is that basically enjoy the ride. Right? Did you like like? kick off the
1: <laughs> yes thank you for bringing Put on the
2: shoes
0: and,
1: and yeah go ahead um yeah mottos i found when i had to like face myself and um when i had decided to make a massive change in my life towards calmness
2: mm-hmm.
1: mottos was one of the things i found that was internally driving me and had changed over the years and so i could see a clear link between i believe this I ran with this as a motto. I knew it like this was my thing. I wrote it up. I would constantly remind myself. And so it created these sort of behaviours. So Hmm. motto number one was life is short. I might as well enjoy it. It was a Yolo thing. You only live once. And I decided that at my mum's grave in Ireland um, the day after her funeral. It's a day I'll never forget because... I shifted a lot. I decided to leave my casino job and do some really wild fun things and yeah. just feel free. And, and mm-hmm. it set me off on a good three to four years of just partying. And mm-hmm. I, I've... I, time in my life I could never regret I don't care what it ever sounds like if I ever write a book about that part of my life probably be my most interesting book <laughs> you know my most yeah. yanged up period um mm-hmm. but there's no shame there like
2: yeah
1: it was fun I needed it it was my co- way of coping and it was my yeah. way of choosing to be in this world on my own at first Mm -hmm. but it's my way of choosing how to feel good and how to feel well and happy it was just
2: Mm.
1: celebrate life there wasn't much depth to it unfortunately Mm -hmm. it was just let's have fun you know because we don't know when it's going to be over you Mm -hmm. know like I I wasn't claiming to have understood everything about suicide or mental health yet I was kind of lost I was just like what's it all about I don't know so it was kind of very basic rudimentary If I don't know what it's about and people choose to kill themselves sometimes, including my own mum, life can be so miserable for many. Let me just have fun. So there you go. You see why it's rational, right, and why I've clung to it for so many years because Mm -hmm. it worked. I had so much fun. In that time I DJed, I danced, you know, I got into all the best clubs in London, I got memberships, I got residency (laughs) sets. I, I literally had such a good time. Did you travel Um, a lot too? Traveled a lot. You know, it was about freeness and life and just experiencing all the zest. So I was actually expressing parts of me that really are core to me and always have been Mm -hmm. at that point, which is like no fear of social situations whatsoever. Like, especially happy ones like dance floors. Like I'll talk to everyone. I'll, get to know anyone I like I just love people so that that I practiced and loved and enjoyed and I don't I, idea yeah, no regrets but as you probably read something changed yeah. all that and that was yeah. becoming preg- becoming pregnant
0: yeah and that settled you down some and then you began to from your first child you began to explore education and now to get into a psychology degree with North Hertz College is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's in Stevenage. But, yeah, I can't stress to you how much fear was probably driving me then, yet I didn't know. Like, I hadn't looked back until this part where I'd left my PhD and really needed to figure out why I was treating myself so badly. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, becoming pregnant on my own, It was like the fear was very much linked to my mum and her death and how, mm. you know, I best. I guess the fun part was my first bit of quest to be nothing like her, nothing. Mm. Don't want to be serious, depressed. I never want to be a carer like as in in a care home, like having to deal with poo or lift people. I know how hard she worked. She worked so hard. So I didn't yeah. want to physically look after people. I knew that. I didn't want to what see lots of old people die all the time like she did I didn't want to drink my problems away like she did yeah. um and I didn't want to be indoors with kids like <laughs> not young not young not with no husband one thing I guess I knew I'd decided I just decided it so it was going to happen I was going to choose the right man and I was only going to have kids by this one man and we'd just be happy mm-hmm. you know? Playing violin, you know, <laughs> of course I decided that because I didn't want to be anything like her, which was very mm. unfair at the time. Obviously, you can't just pick one side of one person, is it? We're very complex. We're all unfinished. Yeah. Like, it's only now because I've sort of healed myself that I actually am deeply connected to the really good parts of my mum and expressing mm-hmm. those, like gardening and, you know,
0: yeah, Yeah, cooking. But before the gardening and all that takes hard is is I read your second motto, which is basically take the hard road is how I would uh, paraphrase it of of take the hard road. And and at the end of the hardest roads and the hardest work is going to be the reward. So you really like to the point of like, I mean, you just become so into your education and just grinding so hard. um, But it wasn't just
1: education at that point. It was helping people. So not only did I study and work I always did voluntary jobs too and I was a single Mm -hmm. mum so I was already I guess getting lost in taking time away from the one thing that mattered to me more than anything and yet it didn't feel like that because it only started with when he first went to nursery and I had two hours to myself it was Mm -hmm. like wow what am I going to do with these two hours and I guess what what I'm proud of, too, I wouldn't have changed this about me, is I never chose to rest or have time to myself those two hours. From the first week he went to nursery, I found mm-hmm. myself a voluntary job that fit nicely into those two hours. And it was wow. with the homeless, working yeah. with homeless people. And, mm-hmm.
2: then,
1: yeah, I guess that was the start of it. And my and the homeless centre is where I started to really want to, Learn how to properly help people study it and get paid for it because
2: mm-hmm. I was
1: volunteering, and yet instead of just bringing out the food to people and picking up the plates and go back, because we were cooking their breakfasts, mm-hmm. um I would find myself getting pulled into deep and upsetting chats with everyone. And yeah. I found that I guess I accepted something I already knew about myself, but I accepted it there because it had happened all through the clubbing and the mad days too. Obviously, it definitely Mm -hmm. happened there, getting on a night bus in London. what All my friends have come to call me the freak magnet, basically. (laughs) I'm a freak magnet. If there are any freaks around, they'll come for me. And they're not coming at me because they sense I'm vulnerable and they want to do No, they come at me to tell me their life story. That always had happened. And so I, I guess in the homeless sentence where I decided to do something about it because I loved it, I loved mm-hmm. that people felt that energy from me and trusted me with their story. Yeah, And um, yeah, so the motto came from that journey of loving, helping people so much, working so hard outside of my home and my studies yeah. that I felt like so much good stuff came back at me. I felt like mm-hmm. when you give up your time, you do something good. I get it back tenfold somehow. I just felt like right. Mother nature. Was I mm-hmm. always used to say to people, "She's my, she loves me." Karma is my best friend. Karma loves me.
0: <laughs> so it was a very rewarding time. And during that time, is, did you also meet a love and and have a second child? Is that Mm-mm. is that correct? Did I do my research right. Oh, I messed that one up. <laughs> That's when it, no, maybe didn't. your PhD program that
1: took me a long time. Oh, okay. I guess dating was one of the things I first practiced way before calmness dating was a skill I realized (laughs) I didn't have and I didn't want to be upset by it anymore I didn't Mm -hmm. want to feel like I go out on a date and I might like him but then he never call me I'll boo-hoo me like as in rejection felt Mm. like I don't know I just knew I became aware I didn't have the skill and I read some really interesting books like Any women out there listening to this who are having problems dating, please read the four-man plan and the rules and test some of that stuff out because I'm not saying it's the be-all and end-all, but wow, is it helpful for you to empower yourself and do the picking, not feel like you're getting picked. We do the picking. Thank you. (laughs) No, we all do the picking, but, I mean, we can all stress ourselves out or calm Mm -hmm. ourselves down on any topic, something I've realised.
0: So, you eventually get into a PhD program, correct? And and the topic that you choose to study is suicide,
2: correct? Yeah,
1: eventually I did. I decided I was ready, and that I would. There was no suicide expert at UH, the university I was at, so I'd become that. And why not? I've done enough work in the community, and I've done enough support work, and now I'm working in um, suicide prevention, and I'm a Samaritan. Why not? You know. A lot of my research work for the years leading up to that was about death. It was end of yeah. life care, was a good death, mm-hmm. um, dementia. Yeah. Like, yeah, there was, it was, I was deeply interested in it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It was um, stuff that I thought most people avoid thinking about this stuff. And yet I'm learning so much, so yeah. much useful things. So, so so many questions for my own self. Like what would I put in my advanced care plan if I knew my memory was going to go and and my mm. identity would go with that? What would I want people to to know? What songs would I get them to play me and what's what's my favorite smell? What's my favorite sensory experience? Like, you know, I just yeah, it's really interesting stuff. But also my Nan, when she died, she's buried in the same plot in Ireland where my mum is. Mm-hmm. She did exactly for her kids what I guess my mum hadn't thought of doing. Um, because my mum took her life, obviously, she didn't like plan to make that easy for me as possible. She was in a dark place, but my nan chose her plot, paid for her plot, everything before she even died. So I, I remember my aunts, one of my aunts, being really upset by that. Oh, she's so morbid. Why is she doing this? And I actually said, no, I don't think you realise what a gift is to you, because you don't know what it will feel like after she dies to have to plan and think about that stuff. Whereas I do. And I think mm-hmm. what she's done is one of the most amazing gifts. And actually I've decided to do that for my own children too. So yeah. that when they need to grieve, they can just grieve. But mm-hmm. so even just from that experience, I've I I learned the value of facing things that are painful just face Mm. it and do something about it rather than just to leave it for the kids to deal with
0: yeah so i'm much the same i um i think about my own immortality or mortality immortality mortality quite often um and and looking and planning more and more for the future i mean i feel it'd be irresponsible and and inconsiderate to not to, but you're right, nobody wants to talk about that. My wife doesn't want to talk about the, the day that I'm no longer here and I'm of course convinced that I'm a male, so I'll leave before she does, and so on and so forth. You know, she doesn't she doesn't she doesn't want to talk about that type of stuff, but it's reality. So I too plan It is for... reality.
1: And a lot of calmness yeah. comes from accepting. So mm. if we can't accept that we're all gonna die, is so it's the one thing we share that's right. certain,
2: mm-hmm. then
1: what else are we not accepting mm. so i think facing i've come to we're all different but for me facing that is a uh, key for my well-being because it means i can prepare rather
0: than avoid
2: mhm mhm
0: <clears throat> so but as you got busier and you're still busy and busy and busy and you're doing all these things and you're doing this education things begin to let go i i rather you had an injury you 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 broke your wrist very badly and you had, um, and still <clears throat> driving on through injuries and such. And, and I, I can yeah. relate to all that. I had times in my life where I was yeah. super, busy, super busy, like I don't have time to bleed type busy. Like I was like, Yeah. So now to I wonder bleed. now,
1: this is a question right back at you, Chris, because I wonder if you had the experience. Do you now believe mm-hmm. that there may be a path for us that has flow and is easier and fun? But whenever we go against that, we're forcing something, right? And when we go too far in forcing a reality that's not naturally meant for us, there are lots of signs. There are signs. They come at you in different ways. And guess what? We ignore them because we're just on the unstoppable train. I have to finish. I have to finish my PhD. I must. I must. I must. It was all that that what my mindfulness teacher calls rigid thinking. You know, Mm -hmm. it's that. That must, I must, I must, I must, that is actually the most unhelpful thing to do when you right. guide someone with meditation, right? Because mm-hmm. how can you meditate, reflect, just be with yourself in any way, do Tai Chi, sit and draw if you're in this. I, mu- I must, I must I get dinner. it's like everything's so planned out mm-hmm. and rigid and set that if you don't do all these things, then there's something wrong with you or you've failed. Like, worse than ever. Failure.
0: I definitely relate to all that. I was on that path for a long time of pushing through injuries, and I have to get my education done. I have to go to work. I have to do this. I have to do that, and thinking that I was doing it all out of love for my family because I'm trying to build security and build financial stuff, and you know, and build a future, and and so on and so forth, and then had no time for them. And then when I am with my family, I'm so burned out and wrecked that I'm I'm no one to want to, they want to be around anyway, right? Yeah, nice. So I've changed, definitely changed gears since I've retired from the United States Navy in 2021, <clears throat> moved to Chiang Mai, Thailand. I, I definitely have a different lifestyle and slowed down substantially, but I'm still pursuing education. I still put a lot of effort into the things I do. Um, but yeah, I think it's, and it's still, coming from a place of love where everything I do is like, I'm trying to build security and uh, for my family in the long run um, and trying to just build something special and useful for the world. Like um, as we, we talked about before this, like not really knowing where things are going and and that's okay. Like not really knowing where this podcast was going to go and not really knowing where this conversation right now is going to go and that's okay. And not getting so rigid with plans um, Yeah, I joked in the past that like I plan things out just so I know what I'm deviating away from <laughs> as it's as I'm going. <laughs> away from it. At least I know like I yeah I have to have something to go off of. And, and like you said too, is like it it takes a lot of courage to not have something to go off of. I'm just going. I'm just gonna go and go with the flow and see what happens and do whatever feels right and natural as as the moments unfold. So I think that's pretty cool. If we let
1: go and we just try and deal with things that are coming up as they come which are called the river Mm -hmm. I don't we can have that fear then that all the things coming up are just going to stack 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 down we're not the to-do list gets bigger every day rather Mm -hmm. than but isn't that I don't know that part of dealing with that and internally has been a massive part of my calmness one of the things that helped the many many things have helped is why I'm going to write about this for the rest of my life but one thing was a question of, like, do you believe on the day of your death that there will be unread emails? And <laughs> anyone with any sense knows the answer is yes, yes. So then I guess it helped me let go of, like, the feeling that I'm here, like part of my purpose is to get all of this stuff done every day and then next day is going to be a little easier as in, It's just the way things are every single day. And it's Mm -hmm. how you manage that overwhelm. Mm -hmm. Like if you're feeling overwhelmed with all the things you've got to do, then you're not going to be feeling as calm as you can be. So there's something Mm -hmm. internally to let go of there. It's Mm -hmm. like the external versus the internal aren't all these pressures until you've actually learned how to manage them seem to be coming at you from the external world. Yet now I've got this question, which helps me, isn't all pressure, -pressure. self-pressure.
0: That's deep. I like it.
1: (laughs) But it's true because we can blame anyone, our boss, our deadline, but there's always, and I know people who are very tightly wound up like I was um, in all their plans and activities don't want to hear this, but it is true. There's always the option to give less Fs about (laughs) whatever you're doing. You know, yeah, you absolutely. you could say that deadline, that PhD, what if I didn't care? Yeah. What if I didn't care? Like, what,
2: what if, if, I, if
1: didn't I didn't go do bad? it? But I think exactly, and that opening of, like, that opening up, To like different possibilities really is what one of the beginning things that changed my life forever because I was so rigid and stuck. I had to finish this, I had to stay with Samaritans, I had to stay with advanced pole training, I had to do this because they were all my thing, all my one thing. You know, I had reasons for everything. So Mm. though I didn't have reasons for letting go. So I had to you have to consider them at least. What if what if this doesn't make me happy? What if I change my life measure? to is this fun is it moving slowly towards my customized vision of my best life do i love this does it resonate like different ways of measuring things and making decisions now completely
0: yeah and so that's what happened is you did come to that you finally came to this thing of like something happened with uh you had the injury and all that and then the, really the breaking point though, was that you began to break the bank. You began to lose your savings account, right? And your savings account yeah. went because you lost uh, childcare. And then that you were, you you lost uh part, you had to start paying for parking, but you were still like, I'm just going to park. I'm going to park uh, yeah, you know, still with a that kilometer away. Just, and just like, I'm going to yeah. walk head down into the snow and, and I got to get this done. I got to get this done. And then, did that just come to you one morning or one evening or something when you just, and you had a, another health scare as well, right? You had something going on with your health. And yes, then you said, hey, it was
1: a relentless a time. But looking back, I see it as all signs, all signs yeah. I didn't listen to, signs to, to try and get me to stop or slow down. Yeah. Breaking the wrist one was a, was a great one. Look, it really yeah. did change me a lot. Right. And yet I then... Was still in that danger of going back to the old me. So I wanted to, as yeah. soon as it was better, go back to the PhD, make up for lost time. Let's finish this thing. Let's do this. You know, yeah. I. <laughs> um, it was actually when I, even when I wrote that in my bio, I, I was fascinated with how <laughs> I could hear some of the counselors I've spoken to. See, like, look, it was nothing physical. It was just the back. It was the financial thing. I could have broken the other wrist. I could have broken probably both legs. And I still would have got like wanted to try and complete and finish. And yet the financial thing, I guess, is I saved my whole life. And obviously I'd worked really hard, sometimes up to four jobs. And as a single mum for 10 years, I was on my own. So I felt very like protective of those savings. They're mine. They're for, you know, obviously been on my own that long with a child things happen in life like one christmas day my fridge died my fridge died
2: mm. with
1: all the food for christmas in it <laughs> oh no <laughs> and i had to then replace that very quickly and it's things like that that's made me all have the need to have a nice chunk of savings just there mm-hmm. for emergencies yeah. my contingency fund right makes Charity.
2: sense yeah i
1: think you know other things that I was missing out of life—a mom, a dad, maybe an uncle had helped me. A fin- mm. you know, a financial advisor, like or, or things that might have helped me to stay calm. For me, it was my savings. Yeah, that that was like the crux. I hardly ever needed to use it, but I know now, in reflection, had I not had that savings, I would have been a more anxious person about the world mm. and my future
2: because mm-hmm. that was my thing.
1: If anything bad happens, well, I've got that. So that's how I felt about my savings. And then all of a sudden, even though I'd worked so hard in academia, um, my 30 hours childcare funding just ran out somehow. And I didn't know that could happen. No one had warned me. So I went through all these, like, paperwork and phone calls that were just stressing me out because I was just hearing no, no, no. So then my supervisors just say, this great calm thing that they would say sometimes that I just didn't understand how to say. It. Why don't you just take a break?
0: Why don't you just? <laughs> so, like in the thought, that thought never occurred to you. It had to come from outside of like, you can do that. A you can just take break. a break. Then, when what? you then you took a break, but at some point, was it was it a morning you woke up or an evening, or was it? Can you define a point when you said, "What if I just don't go back"? And then from there, you begin to build this quietude with gardening and walking. I think and drawing Obviously
2: and-
1: when I had no more like when it was the decision spend the savings on childcare and finish this PhD, or just don't, then the natural question became, well, what would I, what will I do if I don't? What's yeah. the other option? Yeah. Bingo. Like I hadn't thought of any other options. There was only finish the PhD and continue with all these things. So that was the first, I guess, letting go. Well, not letting go, just what What would I do? What else could I spend my savings on? And I think it didn't take me long, maybe just a day or two, to go, I could spend them on me. I could spend mm. them on me being at home and having some time with the kids and take this break that they seem to say so easily. I'm not going to lie, I felt very angry about the suggestion of the break for a week or two Mm. while I was on the break. But Mm -hmm. I guess it was then that I admitted that I had no skills for a break, Mm. I had no skills for being at home, I wasn't calm, I hated it. And (laughs) the breakthrough was like I decided to hate that in myself rather than accept it. Like, this is not okay. This is not a good mom. Like, what has happened to me? Why Mm -hmm. can't I just sit on the sofa and just balm out? Like, I'm so used to go, go, go. I just, I couldn't be still at all, be happy. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Now
1: from all the work I've done being still, and I'm in my fourth year of daily Tai Chi practice, and I kid you not, I've never missed a day. Never. I will not ever miss a day. Like, and I even said to my teacher the other night if I lose my legs I won't miss a day because I know the guy who runs chi in Australia mm-hmm. so I would call him up and start <laughs> Cherchi straight away yeah. like you cannot stop me doing Tai Chi now I found my thing but I mean from all the work I've done on that now I do wonder if there's this thing it's one of the reasons why I'm going to ask about this thing called calmness for the rest of my days. so I just so many questions about it so rather than um, think of me as like an expert of calmness that's not what I'm going to be putting out you can think of me as like mm-hmm. a curious researcher who's gone rogue and rather <laughs> than doing all these different health topics and getting paid all right for it I'm now I've gone rogue I'm unpaid but I found the topic that I want to dig into for the rest of my life because it's done me more than good but also right. the more I dig and I ask the more questions I come up with this is like the gift and the curse of the researcher but (laughs) one of my questions is now I wonder how you feel about this as well what if mental health wellness is this is how I've experienced is if you've got a mind full of unresolved vibrations or unresolved things Mm -hmm. then when you try to stop in any way rest sleep sit meditate anything what Mm -hmm. comes at you is those unresolved vibrations those Mm -hmm. worries and fears people that you need to face all the things that you're not doing or you want to do right that are painful it's all painful stuff right that comes at you but what if the more you learn to calm your mind and take those things out actively deal actually deal with them like I did many many Mm -hmm. things that were flooding my mind all the time Then actually what happens is when you go quiet internally by sitting, meditating, whatever it is, Tai Chi, that you're doing, what comes Mm. at you is ideas. So I'm saying that's something for me. What if that's actually a real thing? What if a mind full of unresolved stuff just chucks the unresolved stuff up? But what if a mind that has been cultivated to be still and calm brings ideas about, well, it brings curiosity back, right? And mm-hmm. I've started to wonder if we have a unique path of curiosity, like we have a what I call the resonance river. So mm-hmm. things jump out at you or they resonate and you might, when you're in a place where you're not mentally well and clear, you're going to mm-hmm. just back them off for all kinds of reasons. Like, why, have you, why is she coming to my head or I don't have time for that or I haven't got money yeah. to try that? right? So it's all just more stress. But actually, what if we can get to a place where the more we actively deal with the way our mind works, the more it it goes from the realms of dealing with upsets and unresolved things, to dealing with our own curiosity and ideas and trying to manage that. Because I'm wondering if the more still and the more well we become, the more curious we become. Mm. And so then we've got this thing of I can't do all these things. But the point is we still have to narrow down and pick and deal with all these ideas and keep them at a minimum because I wonder if we're creators and that's the Mm -hmm. path to creating. And when that's why if you're depressed or you're anxious, you're probably not creating much, if anything.
2: Mm -hmm. But
1: then when you find that inner peace, I've seen it in so much of my work when I've helped people through recovery what they start doing is something quite creative usually. It can be anything from colouring book to planting in their garden (laughs) after years. But um, I just know that's happened for me. And because I've managed to calm the crazy waters that were my mind rippling constantly, now I always ask people about mind-like still water in my interviews. And I always am thinking about, Adding to my list of
0: what can calm the waters and the mind, yeah. and so, um, yeah, for me, I would say that is absolutely true. I believe that, like I've been sidelined with an injury, so I haven't been able to go, 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 go. I just um, am recovering from a uh, a badly sprained ankle where I tore wow. the ligament off the bone, and I partially tore uh, a tendon, and um, that has happened in November where, um, I like to run ultra marathons for fun in the mountains. And I was running in the mountains of, uh, Chiang Mai, Thailand and stepped in a hole coming down a hill really fast. And my ankle snapped and I've been kind of sidelined since then. And I've noticed that since then I've gotten a lot more creative, like my creative juices have really been flowing and I, and I put a lot of energy into creation and I, I did that as a suggestion, I believe out of an article I read somewhere online that talked about, you know, when, a when the, the athlete is injured is the four things is like, uh, if I can remember them would be like, uh, to accept it, accept the injury and accept what happened is all big part of the process. Um, number two would be to, uh, track, the injury and the recovery from injury, just like I would track any other training, like, oh, I'm getting a little more flexible, having a little less pain every day, so on and so forth. Um, The third one is like, don't hardline um, a date when I'm going to return. So remain flexible and not be so rigid in our thinking, which is right up our alley. Right. And then the fourth thing was, was, was suggested to get creative, get a creative outlet. And um, I did. And for me, it's been content creation. I've just been creating content and putting content out. And I do content for myself. And I also do content for the uh, <clears throat> nonprofit called Consequence of Habit with JT Frank. So that's been my outlet is is creating content. Um, it's uh, I try not to be sucked into the into digital too much, uh, take too much of my time every day with it. But I do enjoy it. And um, I think it's, uh, yeah. That's great. Right. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the, the so answer- you
1: have mirrored that so you're you're feeding yeah. into my one of many theories about calmness and how this has worked for me and how it might work for others and as you know I'm not selling anything not yet yeah. um I'm yeah. just figuring this is why <clears throat> I like to I'm giving I've given my self space and time to think you know in the spirit of calmness I've created space for myself which made me actually creative again and I think I missed that about me And I'm creating a lot of stuff at the moment. One thing I focus on is my flat and how to, you know, it's been a a big decluttering journey for me because I don't think calmness is just, there are mental, physical and emotional aspects, but then there's also your environment, which I see as the home. Like I think I don't want to, deal with one aspect I'm trying to deal with them all together and that's been what's made the big difference for me so decluttering my home as well as my mind but also activities that was a huge one for me decluttering my day-to-day activities I wouldn't say I'm doing less stuff I'm just doing stuff now that actually does link to my vision of my best life my vision for quietude community so it's moving in a direction I want and I've chosen, which is good yeah. for calmness. Because if you feel like you're doing everything for everyone else and there's no endpoint that you've chosen, what what is there to feel calm about? That's chaos.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That is yeah. just chaos, fumbling around doing hundred things and no, there's no end goal. Like that's what my life was like. It was chaotic. I was doing too much. So, um, yeah, I basically, in a nutshell, quiet your communities here to shine a light on all the things we can do to be calm and all the benefits that brings and i think the reason i i'm still happy every single day to get up and do something towards this is i know for myself how helpful it's been but also yeah. that it's a real thing that's coming internally from me now not from maybe unresolved pains about my mom or interests mm-hmm. i had in psychology or just my need not to let anyone be in pain it's actually it's coming from a place of abundance and a need to share what works in me, rather than, you know, trying to fix people one at a time or help people one at a time. But I've I've gone back in sport work now, and I'm really happy about it. I see this as my fifth family, um, <laughs> and that connection that I have with my families is also a key thing for calmness. For anyone out there feeling isolated, disconnected. Yeah. We do get to choose who we spend our time with and what kind of families we want to feed into and nurture. And for me, my kids and my hero is number one. I actually, I remember a time of not having children or a partner and being awful at relationships. So it is something that I'm able to say aloud my gratitude for every single day, my beautiful children and my partner. I, I feel so blessed to have that. It's my first family. My second family is my Tai Chi family. I'm mm. connected to teachers and students around the world. Um, I'll always call myself an apprentice, although I'm already teaching because I'm never going to stop learning It is
2: mm.
1: one of the most special families to be part of. I see mm. my third family is my allotment family. So I'm three years into that now and I get to be around people who are 20 years ahead of me and know so much more about nature and growing food than I do. So mm. I feel really blessed to have that. Yeah. Um, my fourth family I see is quite a community. It's one I'm building on my own and wow, has it been fun. I've got to meet you, Chris. If I didn't yeah. start that blog and set up a LinkedIn account, you know, yeah. I wouldn't have met you, would I? So nope. you're one of a f- Quite a few people I've have me. I've met some fantastic people on LinkedIn. Like I really have who I now consider a friend.
0: Yeah. It's kind of know, shocking, isn't it? Didn't you think LinkedIn was – I thought LinkedIn was going to be something different. Like I thought it was going to be starchy, white-collar executives. And I was like, I don't really know if I'm going to fit in here, you know. And then I hopped on there, and one of the first people I saw uh, – stuff from was john mccaskill who's a retired navy seal commander turned meditation mindfulness guru and i was like oh wow okay there's people like this on here too
2: okay well, wellness cool. is an
1: important space now very even much. in the corporate world we know that it's very yeah. important so
2: yeah
1: i definitely see posts from the odd ceo going what well, linkedin's for job posts what are people doing on i like, don't it, seem to understand that you might have like, you know, a personal brand that you want to get behind to build up to something. But also, I don't really know. I I feel quite blessed in the way I didn't come at this with a business idea that's got to do X, Y and Z and sell, like, you know, rather than I've I've got an overarching thing, calmness. I know I'll be able to help people within that because I've helped myself. But how I do that, I'm still just trying things and I'm mm-hmm. really excited about a lot of those things. I've got um, an interview with a local artist coming up in time yeah. for World Art Day. So oh, cool. oh. there's a potential workshop with her in the future. I just awesome. tested my first live stream. Um, yeah, how'd it go? Randy Rolf. Oh, we loved it. It was fun. You know, I, you said this to me like, a few months or even a year ago i would do this i would say no way i would never i would never even had social media accounts chris like i right. was so avoidant of i'd yeah. never had social media and i had just the impression it was an awful thing to do to humans to it it's what we make well, of
0: yeah, it that's what changed i
1: i decided when i accepted we're creators that yeah social media is just another tool that we've created and it can be used for good. And I'd rather try to learn how to use it for good than moan about why it's a bad thing. It was an ignorant, it was an ignorant perception I had. I hadn't yet, you know, figured out what I would want to do with it rather than moan about what other people are doing about it. So. Yeah. yeah. Right there
0: with you. I'm right there with you. Um, So, could you give us an idea of like you said you do tai chi every day to to maintain maintain calmness in your life? Are there other things, other practices that you do on a consistent basis? Hell yeah, that, hell yeah, <laughs> it's
1: holistic. That's what I'm saying. That's why I've started this because I know lots of people get it from meditation and meditation alone, but I also know you can get it from Pilates, yoga, gardening, walking, and like mm-hmm. actually already in the interviews I've done, they are it's slow. There's only two up. Uh, one next one's coming she's got it people tend to hold on to their article for a little while but that's okay because <laughs> I've um I've kind of changed now to trying out this live stream thing and actually I think I'm probably going to do most of my interviews that way if possible yeah. because if it's not if it's not someone I can meet up with locally then that's a fast way to get them up and I what I really liked about it thank you LinkedIn is they just record it and put it and it's up there for you indefinitely.
2: Yeah,
1: saves me a lot of time, and also that thing—if it's authentic, it's not edited. It just goes up, just yeah,
0: yeah, raw and unfiltered.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, do it and let it go. But yeah, so so, if my daily things that I do and do without fail, um, every single day I practice tai chi, and that's probably gone from one to two, two or three times a day, depending on what it is I want to practice. Um, But my day, seven days a week, starts with gratitude on my window seat because I made that to be my favourite place in my flat because I can sit there and connect with the birds, nature. I'll have my coffee there. And I'll read a page of a book and I might do a few stretches, but all sitting on my window seat. But I do my gratitude every single day. And I've missed a day since my wrist was broken. And I said to myself, I can be grateful for this wrist, as in the one that wasn't broken. And that was quite a big start because Mm. if I'm honest, I hated this wrist. I hated that it was broken and that it might never be the same again. And and I just couldn't accept it. Really, I wasn't there yet, but the start of that journey was. I, ex- I, I'm happy. I'm grateful for this one. So mm. I still have this wrist. <laughs> so then I, it was a good lesson because I realised. I, I guess that was the day I accepted. No matter what we go through, there's always things that are good, and that's how you meet people who've been through much worse stuff than you who can still be happy, and there mm. are lessons to us all. Like, as in, we all know that's possible, right? So then we have to decide eventually for ourselves that we need to figure out how we can express happiness and calmness no matter what happens in our own life. So I figured that out for me. But gratitude is one thing. Tai Chi, my morning practice, I do outside. On a Monday to Friday, I do it in a local field because I pass it after the school run. So I always do it outside on Monday, Friday. At night, I'll um, always do it indoors because that's like a yin practice. And on the weekend, I'll just do it at home. Or sometimes I do it in a park with a group on a Saturday morning. Um, Mm. That's where I promote, well, Tai Chi Day. So that's coming up. Mm. Um, And then after the allotment, uh, after the school run, Monday to Friday, without fail, I go to my allotment. That's also part of my daily calmness. It connects me to nature. Mm. It connects me to there's a lot I found that actually growing food is one of the greatest ways to practice many of the elements of calmness, like letting go, patience, acceptance, because you actually can't control much. You can mm. only do your best and then see what happens. So it's totally yeah. a flow practice and
2: mm-hmm.
1: all these great ideas I had for how I would build it up and how I'd have my bed. So I ultimately let them all go. And for a while, that was disappointing. And I was upset with myself. But actually it is because of all of that and the way I now treat myself and my allotment that I have made, along with Tai Chi and gratitude, I think all these Mm. things come together to massively let go. It's one of the major things in calmness is to let go of all these ideas and plans and rigid things you've got So, and just be okay with how it is now. So rather than focus on what I've not done and what's bad, which is the key thing, Every day when I'm there, I'm like, wow, I've done all this by myself mainly or with some family, some friends sometimes come, but ultimately it's always just been me. And Mm -hmm. um, I've done a lot and I've learned so much. (laughs) So now I do see it as one of my greatest tools for focusing on what's good and what I've done and where I'm going, where, where, where it's all taking me rather than where I want to be and where it should be and blah, 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 all of that stressy stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: But, yeah, there's loads more stuff. So that – I also walk. I always walk back from the allotment. I don't drive anymore. I gave up my car about a year ago. I cycle. That's key to my calmness because it connects me locally and I love – you know, um, I heard you saying something about you cycling because I was listening to your (laughs) thing with JT Frank. Yeah. And I actually wanted to ask you, how does cycling make you feel, Chris? Um how do well
0: you feel when I, you when cycling? I was a when I was in my youth and I cycled a lot, it was a sense of independence and adventure and escape. And it was just what I did. I mean, I cycled literally rode bicycles all day, every day, and I would put on tons and tons of miles and uh, I raced bicycle motocross and all that and and had some adrenaline sports with it. Um and then um I, I'm still. I have a nice uh, gravel bike here that I can um, that I can go out and put 30, 40 kilometers on and uh, feel pretty good about it. But I'll be honest with you: is I, I, I kind of switched over to running, and trail running is more my thing now. And what do I feel like? Well, if I'm really in the moment, I, I, I I'm, I'm like really connected, and I have I can find flow state and all of that. There um, you go. But I also so just I would like. Say- I just wondered that
1: because I think it might be why you've chosen cycling. You like to do it so much because for me, I definitely feel adventure and um, like independent too. Like I can do something without the need of a petrol machine. I can get myself. There's something quite confident about it. But the overriding feeling I think is free. I feel free on a bike. I feel free in a way. I smile like a weirdo. And people who <laughs> are walking or driving, they smile at me because they That's must wonderful. see how much joy I'm feeling just cycling. Yeah. And actually uh, facing that in the rain as well, just made yeah. me get some good waterproofs and it's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. I used to be an everyday motorcycle rider and I was the same way, like wind, wet, snow, cold. It didn't matter. I had all the right equipment. I had I had electric gear. I had an electric jacket with like a, you know, a dial to turn it up and down and all that. And um, I remember, you know, the feeling of riding a motorcycle was like, being in the movie of life, whereas like, driving in a car after that felt like I was watching the movie and watching everything go by. But I felt like I was more in it when I was when I was riding a motorcycle or riding a bicycle or out running around in the jungle or what have you. It's like it. I've got the two words
2: for you
1: human speed I say that I think about this a lot because I feel like a lot of calmness resides in human speed and one of the reasons is if we cycle or walk that well especially walking it's one of the reasons I think walking so good for us it's our natural speed and so we can Mm -hmm. process things as they're coming at us yeah when you drive it's all just going past in a blur like It's not connected at all. So why would anyone ever enjoy driving as much? I mean, I love driving, don't get me wrong, especially long distance. I used to drive over to Germany nearly every year to go to this reggae festival. But um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. but yeah, I I don't know, walk it. I've I admitted to myself it can never beat walking. It can't. Yeah. It's connected and it's our speed, and I can just see. I think when I started going for walks in lockdown, one of the things I added quickly to that was to, to knock on anyone's door who had a garden or a flower or a plant that was impressive. See, I'm not scared of people, I've told you this. and And I got <laughs> to meet so many neighbours and learn so much about they're planting or the way of doing stuff. And obviously that I always expect people like, go away, why have you knocked on my door? But no one's ever they're always like, yeah, and they'll gas to you about their wisteria or whatever it is because yeah. they're so happy you've take you've you've observed it and you've taken the time to ask them about how or why they've done this thing. So yeah, yeah. I find walking very connecting not mm-hmm. just because of all the people I speak to and all the birds I see, but also the skips. There's a lot of – in my neighbourhood in St. Almond's. quite wealthy, so a lot people are always doing up their houses, right? I almost started yeah. a blog called Skip Magpie because I realised I'm suddenly getting excited about the good quality of wood in people's skips that I could make things out of or do edging with that – before I had an allotment, I never thought this was, you know, gonna happen to me. It was just another surprise <laughs> from following my curiosity that I'm interested in wood and and it and I learned and how that changed as I followed my curiosity. At first it was pallet wood, because that was, you know, free. And I learned how to take pallets apart. Yeah, I think then yeah. it was just any separate pranks, planks. Then I was really excited about. Um, Scaff uh, decking planks, old decking boards were the best ones to use. Then it was scaffold boards, and yeah. then I discovered railway sleepers. Like, <laughs> woo! Like, is <as> in <laughs> excitement. What am I going to find next? You know,
0: that's amazing. But yeah, well, you-
1: kind of. Sorry. Go oh, on. it's
0: okay. I'll, I- but I I, I want to say we're 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 getting towards the end of the uh the podcast. Um, we've been at it for uh, I think over an hour now. It's 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 flown by. I really felt That's like fun. we've been talking for ten minutes. Um, amazing stuff. You've you've put out so many nuggets uh, of of wisdom and and there's just so much there. But I, I I reserve this for like my closing question of the podcast. And it and the question is this: is that if you could have this gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, metaphorically speaking, oh, wow. and you can get a message out to millions or even billions of people, what would it say? And it could be a few words or a paragraph and, and it can be someone else's quote or it could be your own. Anything you'd like you, that you could, wow. you could call a billion people. I what wish you'd
1: given me this in advance. It's a great right. question.
0: <laughs> so I've been with giving in tech. advance and not giving in advance. So you're one of the people I'm experimenting so with. So there not is a purpose to
1: my mission. So I would probably say something about harnessing your quiet place within, and maybe mm-hmm. by any means necessary or that works for you. And that's because my mission of shining a light on calmness that it does have that purpose. It is because I have learned how to use my quiet place within every single day, and that. Familiarizing with that will make all the difference to your life. The more you the more familiar you become with that feeling of the calm, quiet contentness that's accessible to all of us anytime. You just have to learn how to go there. But then what I'm saying is, the more time you spend there, this is quite long for I'll tell you the billboard thing in a minute. It's just <laughs> harness your calmness for now, but I'll explain why. Um because basically. For me, what I found is the more time I spend there, the more familiar I am with that feeling. So then the more quickly I realize when something's taken me away from that externally and I recognize it and I do something about it. Hence, I hadn't raised my voice or anything for well over like it's been ages. But I, you know, I'm only human. I did raise my voice the other day to my daughter. She is fire and she will always probably be my greatest challenge in terms of calming down and she wasn't listening but as my teacher always says it's okay to be young sometimes in that moment it was definitely okay to be young because she did she really wasn't listening but at the same time for me personally I that was a failure and a miss like I love mistakes because I learn the most from them it was my first one in a long time in terms of keeping my you know temper down but I didn't lose, you know, I didn't lose my head. She needed to hear what it was that I said when I raised my voice. But, yeah, I've learned a lot about myself even in that moment because I realised the trigger was shock. I couldn't believe what she just done. She shot me in the eye with a Nerf gun <laughs> after not listening three times about getting in the bath, okay? It's normal, you know. Her in, she's she's a little firecracker, and I love her okay. to bits. But, um, yeah. She she is my greatest test for calmness, so there'll probably be posts about her over the years. And as my partner always warns me, wait till she's a teenager. So, oh, yeah, gosh. I'm waiting to see how great yeah. <laughs> I manage to stay with all my principals when she's a teen. But under Harness Your Calmness, I would probably have loads of different things in different colours to say, have you tried this? and when could you spend 5 minutes trying this and they would range from art and crafts and all not just art we'll have under that coloring doodling uh sketching painting you know like all mm-hmm. of those things you might have thought because some of those things will resonate with people yet they're leaving it till retirement don't leave it till retirement if it calms you and you enjoy yeah. it let's bring it back into your life asap okay um crafting And I've massive things to write under that because I do hand-stitched cards. Like there's bracelets I make. There's all kinds of things you can do in crafting. I'm looking at working with a macrame woman and and doing stuff, you know, all of that. Spas. I do spas. Very helpful for calmness. Have you tried going to a spa? When was the last time? Or even a massage. And don't make up excuses. If you can't afford one, who would give you a massage? Who would swap a massage with you? Five minutes of shoulder rubbing or... Well, give yourself a hand massage. I just did a live stream for that. Or um, start cycling, start walking, do yeah. some like mind body exercise stuff. Like start with Pilates is fantastic mm. and much easier than Tai Chi and great for like mobilizing the body. But there'll be YouTube videos. So what I'm saying mm. is, over the years, I'll be building a massive well of all of these things and what they're called and how – and then I want to go even deeper of which ones are free and which ones are – you know, because when you think about why people don't give themselves five minutes a day of any type of daily practice, there is usually the time barrier, mm-hmm. you know, be busy. Like the thing is, if we say time barrier is the number one thing, what I almost want to try and uncover is that when you calm down and slow down internally, your perception of time changes anyway. So Mm. this thing of filling up your day with busyness, you're almost falling yourself into thinking you don't have time to give yourself five minutes a day. Because we all do have time to give ourselves five minutes a day. And that five minutes a day can be whatever you want. It doesn't have to be meditation, I Did mindfulness meditation and lots of meditation training and Mm. I'll admit because I know you're a big meditation guy Chris but (laughs) I'm all right with it we're all human we're all make, you know we all do things it didn't work for me on its own and I hated that about myself because I knew the benefits I knew I wanted to do it I just didn't adopt it daily and I uh, and even I trained and I knew and I wanted to and that knowledge of how good it would have been for me yet yeah, I wasn't giving it to myself it was just another yeah. reason not to love myself. But I found yeah. it in Tai Chi. So that's, awesome. that's why I want to my billboard would just be full of ideas for calmness <laughs> because there's something for everyone. That's the message. There is something yeah. for everyone. Calm yourself down. Learn how to do it and stay calm.
0: I love it. Thank you so much, Rachel. It was it was a pleasure uh, talking to you. and. um People can find you easily on LinkedIn, right? You're, you're LinkedIn's on
1: LinkedIn. my main thing. Yeah, main LinkedIn is yeah. a joy.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. And then I'm going to put, I'll put a link to uh, your LinkedIn profile in the show notes, and I'll also put your uh, Quietude community. So, again, thank you so much. It was really, really great catching up and 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 talking to you today. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope that you found it informative and entertaining. As you may know. Podcasts rely on support of their listeners to grow and reach a wider audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating or a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us improve and let others know what to expect when they tune in. Plus, it helps us reach new listeners who might not have found us otherwise. So if you're a fan of this podcast, please take a moment to show your support by leaving a rating or review. We appreciate it, and we thank you. your continued support. Peace and be well.